On this podcast, we're breaking the silence. Welcome to Mental Health. It's time to talk. Here's your host, Alan Kaler. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in on today's episode. We have a man who knows a thing or two about farming. I know nothing. We also have a man who knows a thing or two about mental health and has done some incredible work in this space. We have farmer and seed grower, Matt Kelly. Matt, welcome to the show. Hello. (laughs) Matt, I want to start with talking a little bit about anxiety, because I know that for you, your challenges with anxiety started at a very early age. And when you and I were kids, we didn't exactly talk about mental health. So I'm curious, how did you navigate your way through all of those emotions and experiences? I I navigated through it. I guess I, I kind of stumbled through it, uh, tried to deal with it or tried to find outlets to manage it. Um, I really never opened up about it or never quite understood what was going on. I was just told to relax and you know, just deal with it. That's just an emotion, you know, and just go with it. And, you know, tried my best. You know, you could never really explain it. Um, you know, my, my parents were fairly understanding. And my, I, I was pretty close with my mom. She could could really, you know, kind of sheltered me from it or help me out. But uh, it wasn't until I met my wife, Leslie, is I really started to understand, you know, what it was all about. And, you know, that, you know, that there is ways to manage it. Right. So, you know, and it, and it's not a weakness. Right. And I always used to use it to, uh, to fuel me, you know, when it came to sports or to work, you know, I could, uh, you know, my ability to put my head down and just keep grinding it out, I, you know, through my work ethic and, you know, the farm background and stuff that, you know, it kind of rings home there to put your head down and keep going through it. And, you know, I'm trying to, Hold it together, I guess, is what I would say. And, you know, at times it would just rock it apart and, you know, I would have a kind of freak out and and then I'd get over it, right? So, but it, it's an ongoing thing. So. Well, and you go and choose a career where anxiety is a beast at times because you're dealing with so many external variables. So once you got into farming, how did that impact your anxiety? Oh, yeah, that's really where it came to a head. Uh, uh, you know, my past jobs were kind of, I worked it alone, like I'm a mechanic by trade. So, you know, I could do a lot of jobs by myself. And then I worked in the oil field. And I, you know, I, I worked alone as a service technician for Payson Systems. So, you know, that that was kind of geared for myself. But as soon as uh, I started to chase the passion of farming, it, uh, it really what I was doing wasn't working, um, you know, trying to, you know, I could put my head down and go, but I couldn't work in that team atmosphere and I couldn't explain, you know, get things out. Right. Because you're, you're essentially living in your own head all the time and, and, you know, trying to manage those emotions. Cause you go from such a high to a low to a high to a low, and then you get sleep deprived and a lot of things there, you know, uh, my my father-in-law and my and my mother-in-law and my wife were really helpful with helping me manage that or you know take an, a good strong look inside and, and see you know how to how to make this work because 
you know, if I couldn't, if I couldn't manage my anxiety, I wouldn't be farming, right? To, uh, that we need team members and we need it to have continuity, you know, and if I couldn't manage that anxiety, things would, uh, would, wouldn't work. Right. So, and, and it wouldn't be as an enjoyable adventure if I was just farming by myself. Right. Uh, I, I enjoy that, that other aspect of working with people and, you know, everybody's quirks and stuff like that. It, it It's fun. It's really fun. It definitely sounds like it can be fun. I know that because your story is featured in the book, Men and Mental Health, it was not always fun. And I know that things for you, Matt, really started to become very problematic and challenging because as you said, there's the long days, you are spending time away from the family, there are the, the lonely nights. What kind of led up to you finally reaching that breaking point where you realized, okay, yeah, like something has got to give? Yeah, like going going through that, uh, you know, I, a little bit of background there is we were living in, my wife and I had moved back from Alberta out of the oil patch and moved back to Regina. So in the farms in Watcher, so two hours in one direction away from the farm. So uh, at Watcher, so what uh i was living in a trailer <laughs> during the during the busy seasons uh, and then we were just starting to have children too so um you know that that's kind of where where things were starting to break down and i would start out fine uh but then i was starting to have anxiety attacks and not not knowing what was going on right and you know just being a ticking time bomb like of people couldn't even come to me with problems or issues because i'm I'm the mechanic I fix, you know, or kind of keep a flow uh, of equipment going and people moving and stuff. But uh, yeah, it was really, that's where it really was breaking down. I was having anxiety attacks and couldn't, you know, I just couldn't sleep. I was, you know, things, things were, weren't working and I was getting frustrated and it was just a, it was a merry-go-round I couldn't get off of. Right. So I'd really started to open up to my mother-in-law and she says, you know, geez, you know, we, kind of gone through everything that we can do for you and maybe you need to talk to somebody and i was like i was having a really bad night the one night and and leslie was at home with our youngest and or our oldest at that time and i'm like you know what what i'm doing is not working i'm i'm just gonna phone the mental health line uh, that was a line she she was working at leslie's mom was working at the hospital and she gave me the mental health line and i finally reached out and talked to somebody and was just like the light bulb came on and man, that was the first good night's sleep. I talked to somebody for about maybe about an hour and a half and just kind of laid it all out and what, what I was going on, uh, what was going on and what I wasn't understanding. And they were, didn't pass any judgment. They were just there to listen and kind of give me a few quick tips to, to get me through the night. And yeah, it was amazing. It, it was just amazing. Like I said, it was a light bulb turning on. An hour and a half is a long time when you think about the fact that it really were, was things that you suppressed for so long, right? And so did it feel like it just, I don't know, I kind of believe, Matt, the darkness begs to see the light of day. Once you started to talk, did it just, just keep coming or what was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was just, you know, it started off very basic, very, you know, very simple. It wasn't, you know, wasn't she just asked some simple questions and it was just like you said like 
soon as that snowball started rolling down the hill, it just kept coming out. And, you know, and I, I felt terrible, like, because you're, you're telling all your issues to somebody that you don't even know. And you're just like verbal diarrhea. It was just coming out. It was just like, Oh, but it just felt so good. Like it was just like, you were carrying a 300 pound man on your shoulder and they were dragging you down, you know, like it just, yeah, it felt good. It felt so therapeutical. It was just awesome. So here's, here's a question because I just find this really interesting. I can relate to the challenges of putting a voice to my pain. So many of the men that I talk to or have interviewed, it's the same. It's the fear of being vulnerable. Yet once they finally start to put a voice to it, it's always the same. Oh, they feel free. They feel liberated. So what exactly, in your opinion, can we do for not only farmers, just men in general, so that they, they can really get to that point where they can be free? Yeah, I, I think it's just feeling like it's okay. It's You're not weak. You're not that that's the biggest thing is, is you know you can smash your hands with a hammer and keep trudging on but it, it just seems if you can't get rid of that or heal that wound you, you just carry it around with you and feeling okay to talk to somebody like you know and not fear of being criticized and saying that you're weak or whatever nobody somebody's got to walk a mile in your shoes or you know live your life and through your eyes and understand how it all works before they can pass any judgment and nobody should judge you know and 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 feeling okay to do that that, that that's the biggest thing like you it's not weakness you know everybody goes through it you know they probably people that are critical about it probably talk to different people you know on the on the street or their friends or whatever and lay it out and and some people have stronger mental health and some people have weaker mental health it's just you know, it, it's the world, right? You know, nobody's weak, right? By having these issues and, and feel comfortable to do it. It's it's going to make life a lot better. You know, you'll be able to have a good peace of mind, at, you know, at the end of the night. So, yeah. Well, you live in this space. You live in this world of farming where there there's this history. And you said it yourself, you know, as a mechanic, there's this, innate need to fix what's around you, but all of a sudden you can't fix self. But within this culture of farming and the history of being stoic and strong and putting your head down, did you feel then even additional pressure to kind of suck it up or, or was that like for you? Yeah. Like kind of every business that I'd worked in or kind of work people that I'd worked for, you know, it was all, you know, alpha male, you know, very strong, you know, like in the oil field, like too, you know, you, you kind of had the strong prevail, right? So, you know, and, not, and nothing against that. There's great people out there that understand. I think just being human, like, uh, you know, you can show vulnerability and just be honest with people. You don't have to, that's not a sign of weakness. It's just a sign of being honest and, you know, truthful, um, you know, and that's kind of how I've carried myself all the way through. You know, I'm not, I'm not perfect by any means. I'm, I'm flawed. I've got weaknesses and strengths and, you know, it, it's, it's life, you know, we're all here to work with one another not against one another. And I think if, if people can understand that, I think that, you know, move, move society forward a lot better, right. Or create a good 
working environment. And that's kind of what I've, you know, the thing is, is, you know, understanding that or seeing that or working in those environments, that's kind of how we want to change things at, at, at on our farm or when we have employees come out, you know, and, you know, it's, it's, it's when the hard times happen that that's to build that continuity, if that makes sense, you know, not to, you know, you're the problem or, you know, point fingers and, you know, and try to make yourself feel better. It's you're pump yourself up. Yeah. I, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Hard to, hard to describe for myself. Right. So cause there's a lot of different situations, what I've worked in. So. Yeah. But what I love, Matt, is the fact that you do not hesitate to have these conversations. Actually, I think it was, what was it 2017? So four years ago when you and your wife, Leslie, just jumped in front of a camera and just told your experiences, talk about being vulnerable. What was that like? Yeah, that was, well, if anybody's ever seen that Periscope video, and uh, even, you know, the Bellots talk day two, uh, I kind of look like a deer in headlights. I know <laughs> very... <laughs> very good at explaining things sometimes uh you know that there's one of my weaknesses but you know just trying to be honest but yeah it's it was hard it, it was a hard thing it was like walking naked and you know i trust my wife to you know it, it was something that we were, weren't doing for ourselves it was something to normalize the conversation and and talk about things right and and get that conversation going you know we we have it in our our farm or we're having it and and we thought there were some aha moments that we could pass on to people. So, you know what? I think there was a lot of good things that came out of it. I know that there are a lot of great things that came from it. What was some of the feedback, especially from people in the farming community, in the agricultural industry that watched that video? The biggest thing was a, a lot of people that I had a lot of respect for around home and, you know, from from my small town where I lived in around the community, there was a lot of people that were shooting text messages off for, you know, uh, having one-on-one -on -one conversations. And it was just amazing. Like, uh, and uh, having people like I'd be walking through Ragerbition or whatever, and somebody would recognize me and start talking to me about it. And it was just like, Oh, real, Oh, this is amazing. How many doors have opened up because of it and how people are talking about it. And, you know, like, yeah, it, it, it was unbelievable. You know, and my biggest and the biggest critics uh, I had or uh, my biggest fear was my family. And, you know, they, they're kind of like, oh, they were worried about the backlash. But really, uh, in the end of it, you know, after six months, they really saw the good in it. Right. And they're like, yeah, I see why you did this now. So. Living in a small town as you do. And within the agricultural community, it's it's like a fishbowl, right? Because it's magnified for you. And I can understand some of that fear and the judgment. But I love the fact that what you thought was going to happen really didn't happen. And I love the fact that you have really paved the way for a lot of other men, especially in the farming industry. And Matt, I remember going to see my GP. I'm waiting to see my doctor in the waiting room. And I even took a picture because I'm like, who's that handsome man on the cover of Reader's Digest? Oh, it's yours truly. So I took a picture and sent it to you. Yeah, exactly. 
Hey, I'm famous. I'll sign. I'll sign something for you here one of these days. Next oh, time. that would just make my day. Maybe a shirt. Can you sign a shirt? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, my chicken scratch. Nobody will even know who whose name it is anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what? What led to that? What led to? I, again, I just find it remarkable. You have yourself who really struggled to put a voice to your challenges. Then all of a sudden, you shoot a video in 2017 with Leslie. That kind of goes viral. Then you're starting to share your story at different forums. And then all of a sudden on the cover reader digest, what was the piece with readers digest all about? Uh, peace with readers digest. Yeah. It was just pretty much just talking about the same thing that we were talking about, the mental health of, you know, the struggles that a farmer has or, or whatever. Uh, um, the, um, I thought it was going to be a longer article. Actually, I, it, was, it was quite short, but maybe I didn't give them what they wanted. I don't know. Wow. But, uh, but yeah, I was just kind of dealing with, uh, you know, the day-to-day -day operations and and how to deal with the loneliness and the and then the challenges that you know come with, you know, the environment and you know commodity prices and stuff like that. So, well, what are some of the strategies when things become kind of challenging for you. I mean, right now being spring, you're prepping for seeding. And then obviously uh, when it's go time, it's go time. And then with harvest, you just go, go, go. How do you navigate through that? Uh, navigating through it is, is, this is what I find therapeutical for myself is like the grind of the day to day, you know, but when things start to rock it apart, excuse me, start to, you know, you know, we always have breakdowns or, you know, issues, you know, something will always come up, you know, and to not take it personally, you know, things do break down, you know, and, and just to keep rolling with it. And, you know, if it does, you know, if I, if I start to feel that, you know, I'm going to explode or whatever, just to have an honest conversation and just say, Hey, look, you know, we just got to take a deep breath and relax and say, well, you know, or, start to delegate jobs and not have it to feel that I've got to wear that many hats. Right. So that's what I've kind of, as I get a little older here, I start to understand is that I can't do it all. Uh, delegation, you know, or, you know, time management and, you know, when, and ask for help and not, you know, think that I'm weak because of that. Right. So. And plus two, it's, you know, shutting down maybe a little bit earlier and getting a good night's sleep if we're starting to get that sleep deprived because that, that is one of my key triggers, right? So, Well, that's that's good recognition. I know, if, I feel like we've talked about this before. I, I think that you also mentioned, Matt, that you do kind of a circle check-in, just like a, a legitimate emotional check-in with the team that you work with, yes? Yeah, yeah, I just... It, because sometimes I'm just so focused on keeping the machines going. I never focus on the people sometimes. And that, that was one of my priorities that I wanted to change or, you know, in order to be a better manager of people, it's, it's not always the, the machines. Yes, they have to do the work, but it, it's, you've got to have good people that run them. And so I just do a, you know, a check. We, you know, we kind of do a tailgate meeting, you know, every morning or, you know, maybe at supper time or whatever, we just have an honest conversation with everybody to see how everything's going. And, you know, if there's something that's coming up and, you know, or, you know, somebody's not happy with something, let's, let's have that honest conversation before it blows up in our face, right? Because 
uh, that's the worst thing is, you know, having that explosion in the heat of the moment when it could have been nipped in the bud beforehand. So, yeah. I, I love the the transparency. I love the fact that you just speak openly about it. Neil Campbell chimes in. He says, we cannot be everything to everyone. Easy to say, hard to practice. Agreed. <laughs> but it's it's got to start somewhere. And, and that's what, you know, you, you've shared in the past. It's just a progression, slowly but surely. It's a process. Well, people got to understand, too, is the way things were going there before is that I would never listen to anybody. Now I... I have to do that that look inside and say, you know what, if, if there's an issue or if there's something going on, you have to feel comfortable to come and talk to me about it because that's the worst thing to happen, you know, if somebody doesn't say or speak up, right? So, I know that for you, family is key. In fact, I know that for you, there are three key values. The first one being family. The second one being finances and the third one is the farm why is it in that order uh order of priority because like if you don't have the family you don't have any of the the other two things right like it it just bleeds down in that pyramid effect right so our family we've got to keep it concisive you know conducive c together right and our, and our family is not only just our family members it's also our team members right too because if we don't have our employees and like with our business, we don't have anything either, right? So it, it also ex extends to them, right? So, and then, yeah, you know, the finances, that's, you know, there's all key things there, so. I know Matt, Chris is saying, I come from a big farming family, so I can relate to the stress they sometimes go through, especially during harvest time. I know that for you, you already said it. Sleep is key. And I'm going to guess that it would be very hard to slow the mind down when you know that you have a limited amount of time to get X amount done. Yes. Yes. Uh, and that, and that's what I have trouble with, shutting it off at night, right? And that, you know, the day doesn't end, right, for myself, you know, because I'm thinking and that that's my thing, right? I, I get on that merry-go-round or I have kind of a bit of a photographic memory of you know what needs to be fixed and priorities and stuff and like i said i yeah if there's a million things and things aren't going well uh, i gotta just take a deep breath and get some sleep so and we're fortunate i have a spouse a partner in tanya who i can do my best to communicate with but they also check in on us you know and and Tanya will see when I'm feeling anxious, overwhelmed, irritable before I even am. What is it, I'm curious, that you as a man, as a husband, need from Leslie when you're struggling? When I'm struggling, I just need her, you know, just to even just to say, hey, you know, just relax, you know, or just, I just need that reassurance that things are going to be okay. When when I was going through my toughest times, uh, it was just a simple hug, like just to let me know that I was I was okay. Like because it, it was the biggest my biggest fear was losing my wife uh, over all this stuff that I I didn't know what was going on. It was so confusing in my in my little world that I was in, you know. And yeah, it was just a simple hug when I was starting to go through my panic attack, and you know, and you know, just to show that she was there, that you know, that she was gonna 
help me and almost protect me from it, right? So, you know, and, and then she has a really good ability to, to, you know, she'll just keep picking at the layers to get the onion to open up, right? So, and then and then away we go. And then, you know, it it's almost like therapy there, right there, so. It's great. I mean, silence is obviously not the answer. There, I don't remember who told me this. I think it was an elder who said, it's okay to let the bird in, but don't let it make a nest. And and thankfully, when we have people around us who check in, it kind of forces us to at least try to, like you said, go within and explore it. Otherwise, it becomes very problematic in our own little world. Yeah, yeah most definitely. And that's what I've been trying to do too with you know, our employees or my brother-in-law or my father-in-law, you know, like just to check in, you know, because, you know, I'll, I'll tell them when I'm not having a good day or if there's issues or whatever, I'm open. But sometimes, you know, they're maybe not in the same mental space that I'm in. And, and you know, just a simple conversation to say, hey, you know, like check in with them and, and it feels good, right? So that everybody's on the same page, right? Totally. Uh, I know <laughs> Neil says, I heard that talking will help. LOL, wink, wink. I mean, his whole mantra, which makes good sense, is <laughs> find your voice, find your freedom. And I love that you are helping so many people find their voice. What's one of the most common questions that you get from other farmers after you do an event or you do anything public around mental health? Most common question is, you know, like they, they – they asked me, you know, kind of some of my tools that I, I have in my toolbox to, to get me through, you know, and, and I, I said, you know, I'll, I'll tell them, you know, like I'll, if I'm really having troubles, I'll journal. And I said, like, I, I kind of monitor my sleep and try to get as much exercise as I can and, you know, stay away from alcohol because I know that can be a trigger and, you know, um, you know, and if it really gets bad, I, I, I tell them, you know, phone the, phone the helpline. Um, but I said, like, my answers to my journey are not the answers to your journey. I can give you help, you know, if you want to phone me, you know, the, uh, give me a call by all means. But, you know, everybody's, you know, is different, right? So their journey, they've got to walk their miles in their shoes and find out what's going to work for them. But uh, by all means, I'll give them my tips, tips that I have. And, you know, and, and my wife, my wife is, you know probably 98% of my, you know, my health, right? So. Well, I love the fact that you're creating a culture that allows other men in particular, other farmers, it, it gives them permission to have this important dialogue. You make a beautiful comparison, a metaphor, where in the farming community, if someone's machinery breaks down, if someone's sick, and we see this time and time again, somebody's struggling with cancer, they're hospitalized. They can't get the crop off. Farmers come together. They unite. And, and you are basically saying in your story, we need to have the same approach when it comes to mental health. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And the farming community, being that we're a tight-knit community, you know, if there's neighbors that are struggling, we'll do the, you know, drop everything to help them, you know, and, and yeah, it should be that same way with mental health, you know, and a lot of times, even just knowing that you're there to help them, you know, whether it's having that conversation over a coffee or whatever, or, you know, that we're there in their back pocket, you know, to help, you know, if they get in a pinch, it, it gives everybody peace of mind that, you know, that 
they're not the only ones struggling through this, right? So. So in your opinion, Matt, are we progressively moving the right way? Are you seeing, I don't know if shift is the right word, but are you seeing a significant change in the way that men, uh, even just people in general are able to have these conversations? Uh, yeah, I think, I think like the momentum that, you know, do more egg, you know, yourself, you know, what you've done with your book and that, you know, I think making it commonplace, you know, making it, you know, everybody feeling free and open to talk. It doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman or whatever. It, it, it takes everybody to make the world go round. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, the, there's such a momentum shift there that, you know, that, you know, it's okay to talk about it. I think it, it's building momentum, you know, even like the bell, let's talk, you know, like there, there's, tons of people that are on board and millions of people. And, and it's great. It's great. It's going to bring our society, you know, together, not against one another, you know, it brings everybody together. So I think it's great. I think for myself, for people who are fortunate enough to be a father, like you, the next generation is always watching us. And if we as fathers or men in general can't have these conversations, then they will not. And I know that for yourself as a father and with Leslie, your partner, you do speak openly about mental health with your children. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like with both of our children, our, our oldest is a little more outspoken about it and he'll open up a bit more. He's more like myself now and sees that there. Our little guy, he's only six, so he's he's in constant change. So, but uh, having that honest conversation, you know, especially even with competition, you know, like hockey, and I'm really involved coaching hockey and being involved in that way, and you know that competition, you know, there sometimes children have troubles or don't understand or you know or or handling that pressure of that big game or whatever, right? Like they, you know. Just having that honest, open conversation, you know, about even life events that happen and changes in their life and, you know, what are going on, you know, what's going on there, you know, and so that they don't shut down, like having that conversation, you know, giving them some guidance, you know, mentoring them, I guess, or parenting them essentially, right, uh, to make it a little easier, you know, to, to understand that instead of, you know, be quiet and don't say anything. Let, let's you know, use your voice, talk, let's, you know, see what's going on in there so that we can get an understanding of, you know, to help, right? We're all here to help. What would it have done for you, Matt, if every single thing that you've identified that you've pinpointed, what would it have done for you if that was your reality? That's what you were around when you were a kid. How would that have changed how you then had to navigate through those challenging times? Yeah, that would be an interesting question. You know, the the difficult. Um, I think it would have made things a lot, a lot easier, a little less confusing. Um, you know, and the ability to talk it out, and and, but also, you know, sometimes it, you're going to have to have some struggles, right, uh, in order to mature, and and change and force yourself through it, but. Yeah, I, I think it would have been really good just to understand and, and be able to be, I think I would have been able to be a better friend, 
partner, you know, you know, probably would have led a little different life. You know, I'm not saying what I've done is terrible, you know, but like <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't have been so confusing. Right. And, and probably a little less anxious and <laughs> sleepless nights and yeah, things would have went a little easier. Right. I, I think, but all in all, I, I had a pretty good upbringing, so I'm not going to complain, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to when we know better, we do better. Every single parent does the best they can with what they have. Now that you have this new knowledge and insights and you gave yourself permission to be vulnerable and put it all out there, it's not only you and Leslie that benefit, it's the kids, it's the whole next generation. I just love the fact, once again, that you are you're just done with the hiding, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm an open book now, right? <laughs> who knew? Who knew? Uh, you know, Anna chimes in and she just says thank you so much for sharing much appreciated and it's 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 that simple it's the power of sharing you know every single person that we meet has a story has the ability to share we live in this space this world right now where everyone literally could take their phone and, and i mean put it out there because stories are what connects us i heard your story i was connected and the more that you tell it the more people can relate to you yeah, I, I, I think it's social media, all those different aspects. If you're really good at it, I'm not very good at it, but my I have my wife to support me in that end, end of it. But having that open conversation and doing that, it's great. It's fantastic. There's great things that have come from that. So, Well, we have a question here, Matt. Chris is asking, do you farm in Canada or the U.S.? Is he a dairy, livestock, or cash crop farmer, or possibly... All three. Um, a Canadian farmer, and we're strictly cash crop. And there you have it. Canadian. Proud Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know that you have a million things on your plate, never mind having two young kids at home who are full of energy during COVID. So yeah. thank you so much, Matt, for this time and for the great work that you do in this space. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for the opportunity to talk, and hopefully it wasn't too long-winded. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good book. It was a good read. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune in. Take good care of yourselves. Keep talking, and be well.